Right, well, we're there in uh, James chapter number four, and we've been studying the book of James on Wednesday night, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, uh, making our way through the book of James. It's now the third uh, sermon out of James chapter number four, and it'll be the last one. Next week, we'll be in James chapter five. We've basically dealt with every verse in James four, except for the last few verses. Tonight, we're going to just focus in on verses 13 through 17, and tonight, we're kind of answering or speaking about this question that's found in the passage, what is your life? And as we look at this passage, I think it'll become very clear that James, uh, if you remember, as we've been studying the book of James, we've been talking about the fact that the book of James is meant to help us mature and grow and to become very active in our faith, to accomplish something and to do something. If you look at verse 13, the Bible says this, go to now. And I want you to make note of this phrase, ye that say, ye that say today, Or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. If you are taking notes tonight, or if if you don't mind writing in your Bible, uh, if you're able to write in your Bible, uh, grab a pen and I want you to write next to verse 13. I want you to write this word, procrastination. Procrastination. James begins by speaking of a life of procrastination and he says, he says, go to now, and and I love the, the... the, the phrase that he puts in before he begins to, to say what they're going to say, he says, ye that say today or tomorrow. And it's interesting because it's like, well, which one is it? Is it today or tomorrow? When, when is it that you're going to do this? Today or tomorrow? We will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And, and that phrase when he says ye that say, it's very important because today we live in a society and we live among people who are procrastinators. We like to live a life of procrastination. And here's the problem with people who procrastinate. They like to talk a lot about what they're going to do. One day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do that. Someday I'll do this and someday I'll do that. Someday I'll get in shape and someday I'll get my finances in order. And someday I'm going to go start that business. And one day I'm going to accomplish these things. And we like to talk a lot about the things we're going to do. But here he says, hey... You know, you talk a lot about these things. And the problem with a lot of Christians is that we like to procrastinate. Keep your finger there in James, but go with me just real quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Of course, James is the text for tonight. But go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and look at verse number 2. Let me give you a couple of things that I've noticed people like to procrastinate on. The first one is that of unbelievers Unbelievers like to procrastinate on this idea of salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 2, the Bible says this, For he saith, 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, and notice what he says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I'm amazed as we go out, uh, soul winning and we go and knock on people's doors. I'm amazed how many people will knock on people's doors and will ask them, you know, do you know for sure if you were to die today, if you'd go to heaven? And people will often say, I don't know or I'm not sure. And sometimes we'll ask them, well, where would you like to go when you die? And they'll say, well, I'd like to go to heaven. And we'll say, well, of course, no one wants to go to hell, right? And they're like, no, you know, I don't want to go to hell. And then we'll ask them, could we take a few minutes to show you from the Bible? How you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And so many people will say, well, I just don't have time right now. 
Well, I, you know, I, I just, right now is not a good time. And I think to myself, you know, you, you said you don't know where you're going to go. You say you'd like to go to heaven. You have someone knocking on your, I mean, you didn't have to come to church. You didn't have to do anything. Someone came to you and said, hey, we could show you how you can know for sure without a shadow of a doubt. And so many people will say, well, just not today. Just not right now. Maybe another day. But the Bible says here, hey, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And it's our job to go out. The Bible says that it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. And the truth of the matter is, and we'll see it here in James, you don't know what tomorrow may bring. And so often people want to procrastinate on this idea of salvation. But you know what? It's not just salvation. Sometimes people want to procrastinate on the idea of just getting sin out of their life. Go to Exodus chapter number 8. Exodus chapter number 8. Just real quickly, I want to show you kind of an interesting uh, story. I've showed this before, but uh, it's been a while, I think, so I'd like to show it to you again. Exodus chapter number 8. Exodus is the second book in the Old Testament. you got Genesis in the book of Exodus, so it should be fairly easy to find Exodus chapter 8. Just so you understand the context a little bit when we get into Exodus chapter 8, we're right in the middle of the story of Moses and Pharaoh and the ten plagues. Remember those plagues where God came and he was doing those things in Egypt to try to get uh, Pharaoh to allow the people to go? In Exodus chapter number 8, the Bible says this, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me. So this is the plague where Moses uh, made it so that frogs would come into Egypt and they had frogs everywhere and they were just a nuisance. And he says, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. Moses is excited about the fact that Pharaoh is saying, Hey, will you talk to God on my behalf? Will you tell him to let... uh, you know, get rid of the frogs and, and, and I'll let the people go and we'll do what he wants us to do. And Moses is exi- excited in verse 9. He says, glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee? He says, when do you want me to ask God to get rid of the frogs and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses that they may remain in the rivers only? And notice the response that he gets from Pharaoh. And it's kind of a silly response. In verse 10, Pharaoh says this, and he said... Tomorrow. You see that? Now you would think, well, wait a minute, these frogs are a nuisance. These frogs are annoying. I mean, why wouldn't you say to Moses, right now, pray, right now, get God to to move on this right now. I want the frogs gone. But you know, Pharaoh, he says, Moses, I want you to take care of it tomorrow. Here's what he's saying. I want one more night with the frogs. I, I just want to spend one more night in my bed with frogs leaping on me, with frogs on my... I just want, you know, I, I know it's a problem, and I know i got to get rid of it, and I know that I've got to come to God in order to solve it, but let's do it tomorrow. And you would say, well, that's silly from Pharaoh, but that's how you and I live our lives. We'll come to church, and we'll hear the Bible preached, and, and, and the Holy Spirit will begin to work in your heart, and you'll realize that there are things that God wants you to deal with. Maybe it's salvation, maybe it's not. Maybe God wants you to be baptized. Well, we know God wants you to be baptized, but maybe God is dealing with, in your heart in the fact that you know you haven't been baptized, and you need to be baptized. Maybe God wants you to begin a devotional time, and, and, and time in the Word, and in prayer. Maybe God wants you to get rid of certain things in your life, and here's what we say to God. God, I will do that tomorrow. I'll take care of it another day. I'll also winning next week. I'll, I'll read my Bible. I'll start next week. I'll start next year. And we live this life of procrastination where people say, I'll get saved another day. 
I'll serve God another day. I'll get right with God another day. When do you want to get rid of the frogs, Pharaoh? Tomorrow. We live a life of procrastination. Go back to James chapter 4. Verse 13 teaches us about a life of procrastination. Next to verse 14, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, I'd like you to write this word, perspective. Perspective. James chapter 4 and verse 14, notice what the Bible says. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. It says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And he says, for what is your life? He asks this powerful question. For what is your life? And, and then he answers. He says, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Psalms. If you open up your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Go to Psalm 90. This passage teaches us about a life of procrastination, but it also teaches us about a life with perspective. We need to realize that life is brief. The Bible says that your life is as a vapor. It appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Your life is brief. Your life is short. Psalm 90 and verse 9. If you can find Psalm 90, I'd like you to look at verse number 9. The Bible says this, Psalm 90, verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Your life is a story. The days of our years are three score and ten. Here's what he's saying. God guarantees, you know, that the average, and obviously some people die before this, but on average, a human lifespan should last at least three score. A score is 20, so three score is 60, and ten years. Okay, so he's saying, here's what he's saying. The average person should live, you know, to 70 years old. So if you make it past 70, hey, you're doing good. Because he says, you know, the days of our years are three score and ten. And if by reason of strength, they be four score years. He said, if you can make it to 80, that's good. You're strong. You're healthy. Hey, if you make it past 80, you're on borrowed time. You know, I mean, you're doing good. I mean, you're, you're in overtime. And he says, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off. And here's what he's saying. It doesn't matter if you live 70 years. It doesn't matter if you live 80 years. It doesn't matter if you live in the United States of America in 2015. And because of technology and medicine and all the different uh, things, uh, advances that we have, we live to 94 or 104. It doesn't matter how long you live. And compared to eternity, it is soon cut off. And you've got to understand this. The amount of time that we live on earth, even if you lived 115 years, and people would look at that and say, that's amazing. That is a long life. That person lived a long life. When you compare 115 years to eternity, it's nothing. It's small. It's insignificant. Notice what he says. He says in verse 10, he says, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. That's a reference to the rapture there. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. And here's where the perspective comes in. And here's the idea. If you realize that your life is brief, if you realize that your life is short, if you realize that the amount of years that you have on this earth are not that long, the psalmist says this, verse 12, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, teach us to live with perspective. 
Teach us to live in a way where we realize, teach us to number our days and to realize, I, I don't have that much time on this earth. And, and, and you know, I, I'm a young man, just me personally. I'm 29 years old, and I, 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 I hope that I live, you know, 70 years. I, I don't know, 80 years, 90 years. But, he, you know, and, and you can say, well, you've got 60 years. You've got, you know, a, a, a whole lifetime ahead of you. But our, I, the idea that James is trying to teach is that we should number our days. That we should realize that the time that we have on this earth is not very long and we should use it in a productive way. Because the procrastinator thinks, he, he always thinks there's another day. Tomorrow I'll get it done. Tomorrow I'll do it. I'll have another opportunity. But the purpose, the person who lives with perspective realizes this life is short. It's brief. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. This is another well-known verse. Ephesians chapter 5. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. You can find 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. When you get to Ephesians, keep your finger there. We're going to go, we're going to leave Ephesians and go to James, and then we're going to come back uh, to, uh, real close to Ephesians there. So keep your finger there. Ephesians chapter 5. James is teaching us about a life of procrastination, and then he teaches us about a life with perspective. He says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. He says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. The psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts into wisdom. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, the Bible says this, See then that ye walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly means carefully. It means to, to carefully consider all circumstances and consequences. He says to, to, to walk in a careful way, to, to think very thoroughly about the things that you are doing and what the circumstances may be, and what the consequences may be. Now notice what he says. See then that ye walk circumspectly. He says, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeem means to recover. It means to give value to. Here's what he's saying. He's saying we ought to walk in a very careful way. We ought to walk and we, the, way, the things we do in our life, they ought to be very well you know, positioned and planned. We ought, we, we ought to have a purpose to our life. You ought to walk very wisely. You ought to redeem the time that you have because you do not have much of it. We ought to live our life with perspective. Now keep your finger there in Ephesians. Go back to James chapter 4. James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4, in verse number 13, you wrote the word procrastination. In verse number 14, you wrote the word perspective. If you're able to write, if you don't mind writing in your Bible. Next to verse number 15, I'd like you to write this word, planning. Planning. Notice what he says in verse 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Now here's what you've got to understand, okay? James is not saying that it's wrong to plan. In fact, in verse 15, he's telling us we ought to plan. He says, for ye ought to say, if the Lord will, 
we will, shall live and do this or that. He said, there's nothing wrong with living a life that's planned out. He said, in fact, you ought to live a life that's planned out. But the problem is when we are just procrastinating on the things that we could do today and we're saying, well, I'll do it today or I'll do it tomorrow or really I'm planning on never really doing it. I'm just kind of talking about it. And he says, look, you ought not live your life procrastinating. You ought to live your life with perspective. But he said, a planned out life is a good life. He said, it's good to plan ahead. It's good to have some ideas. It's good to say, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that if, if, if the Lord wills. If the Lord will allow me to. Did you keep your finger in Ephesians? Go, go back to Ephesians, but I don't want you in Ephesians. I want you in the next book, Philippians. Ephesians, right after Ephesians, you got the book of Philippians. I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul said. This is one of my favorite verses in, in the Bible. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 14. Philippians 3, 14, the Bible says this. I press, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, I press toward the mark. That word mark is referring to like a target. He says, I've got a target. I've got a goal. I am Pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You say, why did the Apostle Paul accomplish so much in his life? Why was he able to reach so many people and start so many churches and see so many converts and do so have such an impact for God? I believe one of the reasons is because he lived a life of godly goals. He wasn't just kind of going through life, just seeing what happens and, you know, I'll do a little of this and I'll do a little of that and I'll spend some time here and I'll spend some time there. He had a goal. He had a target. He had a mark. And he said, I'm pressing towards that mark. And that's how we ought to live our life. And I want to ask you this question. What goals do you have in life? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is it that you're trying to do? What would you like? And this goes well with our Rise and Build series that we're preaching on on Sunday mornings. But the idea is this. What are you trying to do with your life? Are you just wasting your life? Just day after day, just doing whatever. We ought to press toward the mark. We ought to have a goal. You ought to have a plan. We have a plan for Verity Baptist Church. We're not just doing this every week. There's a, we've, got, uh, we've got goals for you know, how many soul winners we want to have, how many uh, people we want to see baptized. How many. We've got goals for you. We've, I've got goals for you you don't even know about. I know, my wife knows, and God knows. And there's certain things we're praying for you individually in our church. And we see areas that we'd like you to take a step in and grow in. And, and we're praying for you. Why? Because we believe that a life that has a plan, a, a church with a plan, with a purpose, with a mark, you will accomplish something great. Otherwise, you'll just kind of waste your life. Procrastinating. No perspective. So we saw, number one, a life of procrastination. We saw, number two, a life of perspective. Number three there, we saw a life of planning. Go back to James. James chapter number four. James chapter number four. I want to give you the text and give you the verses and just ask you a few questions and, and we won't be long tonight. James chapter number four. Look at verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Next to verse number 14, I'd like you to write this word, purpose. Purpose. See, you've got to understand this. There are sins of commission. That's when we commit a sin. You do something you shouldn't have done. 
You lost your temper, you were rude, you were angry, you were mad, you cursed, you stole, you killed, hopefully none of nobody's done that, right? You, you did something you knew you weren't supposed to do. Those are sins of commission. Those are fairly easy to understand. But do you understand that the Bible teaches, in this verse specifically, that there are sins of omission? A sin of omission is when you don't do something you know you should do. Look at the verse. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Here's what you understand. When you know, when you know that you should read your Bible and you decide, I'm not going to read my Bible. I do not want to read my Bible. I want to just, you know, do something else. That is not you just, I kind of messed up or I made a mistake or I didn't, I didn't remember. God looks at that and says, hey, when you know to do good and you do it not, to him it is sin. It is a sin to choose to not read your Bible. It is a sin to choose to not pray. When you know you ought to be out soul winning and you're choosing to stay home, you're choosing to sleep in, you're choosing to skip, hey, that's a sin. You say, well, well, I didn't do anything exactly. I didn't do anything wrong, but you didn't do anything right. And he says, to him that know to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. See, there are not just sins of commission. There are sins of omission. And James is speaking to a crowd of people who are already faithful, people who are already mature, people who are already growing. He's not speaking to new believers. And see, here's the problem with most mature Christians. And I think this is a crowd I'm speaking to. If you're in church on a Wednesday night, you're probably a little more mature than the average Christian that you would take the time to go to church on a Wednesday night. And here's what you got to understand. Most Christians, when they first get saved, they're dealing with a lot of sins of commission. They're just realizing, man, I shouldn't be drinking. I shouldn't be smoking. I shouldn't be doing those drugs. I shouldn't be looking at those things. I shouldn't be going to those places. They're realizing there's a lot of things in their life that they should not be doing. Now, here's what happened. Christians that grow and Christians that mature, they begin to realize, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't listen to that person. I need to stop hanging out with those people. They realize the things that they should not do, and they stop doing them. But here's the problem with a lot of these mature Christians that are not doing a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing, is that it also becomes easy for them to just get complacent and realize, and they just kind of excuse the fact that, well, I know I should be doing that, but is it really that big of a deal if I don't? Well, I I know that that's something that God wants. I know that I should be giving, but does it matter if I don't? I know that I, you know, the Holy Spirit has dealt with me and I, I, I listen to the sermon and, and I realize that this is something that I should do, but does it matter if I don't? And here's the answer to that question. Yes. Because a mature Christian not only learns how to identify the sins of commission, but he also learns to identify the sins of omission. And he begins to realize it is not just about the things I don't do, but it's about the things that I should do. And here's what you got to understand. This is what the book's been about. Go, go back to James chapter 1, just real quickly. James chapter 1. Look at verse 22. See, a mature Christian is not a mature Christian based on what he stops doing. Your maturity is not dependent on what you stop doing. Now, that's the start. Your maturity is dependent on what you start doing. James chapter 1, look at verse 22. Notice what he says. This is just one example. Be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. What is it that you've been learning as you've been coming to church regularly? 
you've been learning and you've been realizing that's something I'm supposed to be doing, but you haven't started doing? What are those things? Because here's what he says. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And the word deed is a reference to the things that you do. So here's what James is teaching us right at the end of this chapter. He says, there are those who procrastinate, who say, I'm going to do that. You say, well, when are you going to do that? Well, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. And that's most Christians. One day I'll do that. One day. See, see there are some of you, you've been coming to this church because we push it so much and we talk about it so much. You know, every time I preach, I mean, you know that you need to develop a time where you get up in the morning and you spend time in prayer, you spend time reading the Bible, you spend time in fellowship with God. You know that's what you need. You know that's the next step in, in, your, in your heart, but you don't do it. You just, you haven't done it. And every time you come to church, you hear a pastor preach about it, you say, man, I got to do that. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that next week. I'll start on the first. I'll start next year. And you're procrastinating, and you're procrastinating, and you're procrastinating. And here's why. Because you don't have any perspective. And you don't realize that tomorrow you may not wake up. And listen to me, I'd rather spend fellowship with God today and die tomorrow than plan on spending time with God today and die tomorrow. You've got to realize that there are things in your life that God wants you to do. You need to get perspective in your life and realize that your life is short. You need to plan out your life and, re- and just decide, what is it that I'm going to do with my life? What is it that I'm going to accomplish? What is the purpose? What are the things right now that I right now know I should do and aren't doing? What do you know? What is it? What are you doing with your life? And here's the question. What are you doing with your life that will outlast your life? What are you doing with your life that will outlast your life? What are you doing with your life that has eternal value? What are you doing with your life that is going to matter in eternity? I mean, and I'm not just making these statements because they're kind of interesting statements to make in church. And in church, we like to talk about philosophy. I'm, I'm asking you to consider right now in your mind, what have I done today? What have I done this week? What have I done this month that wasn't selfish or self-absorbed or just about me and my family and my income? What am I doing that will outlast me? What are you doing that has eternal value? What do you know you should be doing that you're not doing? Because here's the thing. Your life is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. And I, I think it's funny, and I'm not picking on anybody. I think it's funny if people say, it's just too hard to commit. Every, you want us to go out soul winning every Saturday for the rest of my life? All 70 years? Listen to me. 7,000 years into eternity, you'll be glad you gave up your Saturdays for 70 years. 700,000 years into eternity, you'll be glad you did something of eternal value. 
And, he, and here's the thing. The, the Christian that says, well, pastor, you don't understand. I can't go sewing on Saturdays because that's my only day off, and I've got to do this gardening, and I've got to go, you know, garage sale shopping, and I've got to go do this. The flea market's only open, and this and that. People who speak like that don't realize that their life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I'm sure there'll be garage sales in heaven. I'm sure there'll be, you know, well, I, I can't go sewing on Saturday. It's 4th of July. Okay, first of all, fireworks aren't until the nighttime. I don't know if you know that. And I think there may be fireworks in heaven. So I just wouldn't worry about it if I were you. Live your life with perspective. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.